did. Huh? You went in and out. It's the vibration of the mic. I'll turn it this way. Check.
do and celebrate your name.
celebrate you, Lord. Even though this day is specified as Resurrection Day, Father, we, we celebrate your sacrifice every day of our lives. Because, Father, it's because of that sacrifice we live. Not just today, not just tomorrow, not just for years to come, but for eternity. Father, we thank you that you sacrificed your son for us, even before we were in existence. But even so, more so, Father, we thank you for the victory in his resurrection. conquered the keys of life and death. And it's because of that resurrection, Father, that we do not fear death. For it has nothing over us. Thank you for the blood that was shed freely. for us that covers every sin that cleanses us that heals us we celebrate you Lord
So do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, because that's where I am, and there you may be also. For I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. To the Father, we don't have to go to anybody else. Don't have to sacrifice anything like an animal. It, we can come freely to you, Father, because of Jesus. Every day, there's no veil. There's no dressing up. There's no, there's none of this stuff. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the door. You're the door. Waiting's come in. Hmm. We're here already. You just come in. Our hearts are yours. Our hearts are yours. I pray, Father, that our ears would hear what you want to say to us. Our eyes would see what you want to show us. And we would obey and do what you want us to do. You make it really simple. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you. You're so good to us. You're really good to us. You're loving, kind to us. Mercies are new. Mercies are new every day. My mercies are new for you. Seas are new. 
mercies are new for you every day my mercy bit of uh, Romans 5 and 6. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the man, one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So will people hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. For he has given us a reason to be hopeful. He's given us a reason to rejoice. For in him we can find love, we find peace, that peace that passes all understanding. And most of all, we can find the hope that only he gives. The hope that there is more to this life than what we can see, the hope that he is always in charge and more than what we need. The hope of spending eternity with him. In him we find redemption, and oh, redemption is plentiful. Now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, your faith also in vain. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead were not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hope in Christ only in the life, we are the people most to be pitied. But the fact is Christ has been raised yes, from the dead, yes, the first yes. fruits of those who are asleep. Yes. first fruits of those who sleep. We were dead, now we're alive. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. up this morning and I felt like I was supposed to share this with you. It, in my mind it doesn't follow along with what we're doing but I believe I'm supposed to share it with you because the Lord is my need meter and I have everything I need. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again rejoice. Amen. Let everyone see that you are considered in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. He is our need meter. There are things in our circle to do, though, and we have a responsibility. He is our need meter, and because of that, we can always be full of joy. I think the believer should look different, and that's how they look different, is that they're full of joy, they rejoice, and they're considerate in all that they do, because the Lord is coming soon. So let's put on a little joy this morning, huh? It's um, a little heavy in here. I think the funeral was Friday, but today's Resurrection New Life Day. It's not funeral time. It's time to celebrate, celebrate that he did rise from the dead, all that he's made possible for every one of us, and we have new life because of him. So let's have a little bit of a party atmosphere. Can we do it? We can change the atmosphere. You know, I don't think the disciples were all sullen when they found out the tomb was empty. I think it was party time and excitement. So let's do that, huh?
God himself highly exalted Jesus, and he bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Yes. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Jesus is our victorious champion. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him, hanging him on a cross. But God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. So remember that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those that are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. For he is above all, and now he is in us. And he has been made to rule over the works of the enemy, and he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, hallelujah, our champion. I'm going to continue in Acts, Acts 13, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God has fulfilled this promise to our children, to us, in that he raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son today, I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David.
And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He is, he will be taking of this bread that Jesus give us later and it is life and it is health to our bodies mm -hmm. amen yeah amen. amen good yes you order our steps glory be to God thank you Lord Let's do something here this morning. It's just a shift in mentality. Let's stop hanging out at the cross and let's go to the empty tomb. That was awesome. You know, the cross is where that was sad. It was ugly, it was sad. Watching him there, suffering, gasping for breath, dying. But, but Jesus didn't spend months on the cross. It was six hours. It wasn't years on the cross. Too many Christians spend all their time at the cross. The new life is at the empty tomb, the resurrection. All of Christianity hinder, uh, hinges on the resurrection. So let's just shift that in our mentality. There's a heaviness in here this morning, and I don't like it. Amen. Amen. Well, we make a decision. We choose. Sometimes you just wake up in the morning with a heaviness. Well, you choose whether you want to dwell in that all day long or not. You, you get that choice. And how we respond to certain things. We're not to be ruled by our emotions. Thank God for our emotions. But they're not our boss. They're not the ones that are to rule us. 
Amen? So happy Resurrection Day. Tuesday at 7 o'clock, the newer We the People group will be meeting on the third floor next to Dillard's at the Independence Center. And the flyover conservatives, David and Stacy Whited, are going to be our guests there that night. So I think you'll enjoy it if you're able to make it. Um, I have passed out, uh, I think, three in total enemies within the church, and I got one back. If you have a video of the enemies within the church, return it or we're coming after you, okay? Return. No, bring it back so I can give them out to others, and I don't even remember who I gave them all out to. Um, so this morning, I'm driving on my way here. I'm still not used to standing up here anymore, but you guys are really far away. Um, I'm driving on my way here, and I just have this question that came to me. And so I, wanna, I felt like I was going to you know, present that to you, too, this question. You don't have to answer it. don't have to yell out or anything, but just ponder it for just a second. And it's quite a heavy question, really. It's a simple question, but the answer could be very heavy very important. And here's the question. What are you willing to do to save a nation? What are you willing to do? Then the Lord just flooded my being just with what Jesus was not only willing to do, but what he did do to save all of humanity. Even knowing that there will be many that would never receive that free gift. But he did it anyway. So he wasn't just willing, he did it. So let me just ask that question again and contemplate that. What are you willing to do to save a nation? This isn't going to be up. The saving of our nation is not up to God alone. It's up to God's people and patriots. What are we going to do? You see, prayer is very important. And not just any prayer, not just throwing up all kinds of stuff to the Lord, but prophetic prayer. Prophetic prayer meaning that we're hearing what God is saying so we can pray that. That's praying in line with his will. If we don't know what he's actually speaking or saying in the moment, we certainly have the scripture. We already know what he said. So prophetic prayer, praying in line with the will of God. That's effective prayer. And that's very, very important. But we've got to, I've said this many times over the last couple of years, but we have to now go beyond just praying about this situation and we have to be activated we have to do we have to respond so let me ask it for the third time what are you willing to do to save a nation because sitting on the couch watching the news isn't going to cut it attending prayer groups alone is not going to do it It's good, it's important, but it's not going to do it. Aren't you glad that the founders of this nation just didn't talk about it all the time? 
just get around and talk about it and even pray about it. No, they responded and they did something. And that's the time we're in. I think you all really know this, but let me just say it again. We are a hair away from losing this nation. A very thin, small hair. And if we lull ourselves to sleep just thinking, well, God's just going to do it all. That's not going to happen. You see, God didn't come down and, and fight the Revolutionary War himself. Or the Civil War. It cost dearly. So what are we willing to do to save a nation? What did Jesus do to save all humanity? Jesus was 30 years old when he went into ministry. His ministry was just over three years. He chose three close disciples. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed three times. And he also asked his disciples three times to pray with him. He was nailed to the cross at the third hour of the day. While he hung on the cross, there was three hours of darkness. He died at 3 p.m. He was three days and three nights in the tomb. He was resurrected on the, you guessed it, third day. When he was 33 years old. It's a whole lot of threes in there. The most recognizable image of Christianity is what? The cross. It's simple because it's just two pieces put together. That's the most recognizable image of the cross. But the most significant is the empty tomb. Because the empty tomb proved... That Jesus really was who he said he was. And that what he did actually happened. All the miracles. That he was the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. You see, the cross deals with our flesh and with the sin. And it's ugly and it's necessary. Because without the cross, there's no resurrection. So we all have to go to the cross. But it's not a place that we camp out at. Again, Jesus was on the cross six hours, not six days, not six weeks, not six months, not six years. Six hours. And I do believe that we, as Christians, we become overly focused with the cross. Which leads us to be overly focused on sin, which is overly focused on self. And then we wonder... Well, we lack some of the freedom and the life that God has really provided for us. Because the cross was a place that we go to and keep going. First Peter 2.24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin 
and live to righteousness. Notice that. You go to the cross to die so that you can live. And the life happened at resurrection. For by his wounds you were healed. Go ahead, just keep getting excited on that passage while I take a drink. Now, let me just say this about this passage. We kind of use it kind of a little incorrectly at times. Because most of the time when we see the word healed, we typically will think about our physical bodies. That certainly is included in this, but that's not exactly what this passage is talking about. It's not talking about just physical healing and the word healed being past tense. And we've all heard it, I've been healed past tense. Well, if you are still sick, you haven't been healed. And it's not a lack of faith to say, I'm sick. I got a disease, I got this or I got that. The word healed here really more specifically means made whole. You were made whole. Let's read this again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin, so we can live to righteousness. By his wounds you are made whole, made complete. Am I in a Lutheran congregation this morning? What in the world? (laughs) Healing for the totality of our being. Spirit, soul, and body. All of it. Made whole. Made complete. Not convinced? Let's go to Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. And if you have a Bible, digital or otherwise... Last, you know, last century paper stuff. That book that's in a binding. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5 and 6. It says here in the New American Standard, Surely our griefs he himself bore. Our sorrows he carried... Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Don't you just love scripture? Like this was so long before Jesus ever, this ever happened. It was prophesied. Smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, here's that word, we are healed made whole made complete actually this didn't cause your healing it made everything available to us we still have to receive it it's not automatic to every human being like some would say it made it all available to us complete and total healing our well-being for our the totality of our being spirit soul and body in every area By his scourging we're healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us 
turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. Aren't you glad that every, even before you were born, everything you've ever will do, did, have done, was all placed on him, nailed to the cross. Let's look at a few of these words. Surely our griefs. What is a grief? How do you define a grief? Well, biblically, this word means a lot more than just grief. Actually, it's a poor chosen word in my opinion. Because here's what... Sickness, disease, sufferings, and anxieties. That's what the actual word means. You can look it up for yourself. That's a little bit different than just grief. It's sickness, disease, sufferings, and anxieties. The first thing Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely our sickness, disease, and sufferings, and anxieties he himself bore. Changes it a little bit, doesn't it, than just griefs. And our sorrows he carried. What is sorrows? Anguish and pain. Very good. Give him a gold star. Man in the front with the bow tie. Which looks very cool, by the way. I like it. Our sorrows, anguish and pain he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. What's transgressions? Sin, but it's rebelliousness, disobedience, and guilt. Guilt that racks the conscience. He took all of it. The scripture tells us the blood of Christ cleanses us, cleanses our conscience. There's nothing. There's no drug that can do that. It can temporarily, but no drug can clean your conscience completely. Only the blood of Christ. Shoo. Now, the word griefs, let me back up for just a second. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 15, it says this, The Lord will remove all your sicknesses. The word for sickness in the New American Standard is the exact same word used for griefs in Isaiah 53. You know what it means? It means sickness. <laughs> it means disease. Transgressions are rebelliousness, disobedience, and guilt. The chastening of our well-being our well-being is our wholeness, completeness, our peace, our shalom. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. I think I missed iniquities. Iniquities. What is an iniquity? I'll read the definition. It's blame, punishment, evil, perversity all of our offenses against the law of god it includes all of it man jesus accomplished a lot on the cross you know what's just sad and interesting to me is how often so many times people still look for freedom from these things when they've been dealt with Yes, yeah. Let me read this passage with all of these definitions placed within it. 
Again, it's Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely our sickness, disease, sufferings, and anxieties he himself bore, and our anguish and pain he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our rebelliousness, disobedience, and guilt. He was crushed for our punishment, blame, perversity, and evil. The punishment for our wholeness, completeness, and peace fell upon him. By his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord caused, has caused all of our offenses against the law of God to fall upon him. All of it. It's all been paid. It's all been dealt with. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say, oh, yeah, but there's one more thing. No, he said it's finished. It's, it's all done. It, it's complete. Let that sink in for a moment this morning. So what is it really? What, provision has been made for really everything. Every sin, every sin. Not just the ones we would think would be light sins. Every sin. Every transgression and offense, it was all nailed to the cross. Every evil thought, wickedness of mind and heart was nailed to the cross. Every sickness and disease, every sickness and every disease, he didn't forget one or two, every one of them, every sickness and disease in our soul, in our body was all nailed to the cross. Everything that plagues our conscience, all guilt, all shame, blame, fear, everything that plagues our conscience was washed away by the blood. The curse that came into the world as a result of sin has been reversed for all who receive Christ and live for him. I don't think you really believe that this morning, apparently. What did he leave out? What's, what's missing? Everything's been paid for. In full. Everything for our redemption has been taken care of. Not just ours, but every human being across the planet. Every one of them. Yes, even the globalist. Every one of them. And what's the best way to defeat your enemy? You convert them. Best way. Best way to defeat your enemy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1.18 says, For the word, or the statement of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, um, oftentimes, you know, uh, when Muslims conquer a land, they build a mosque. They establish something. And I don't know what our military does anymore, but they used to. When they won, they would put a flag in the ground. I don't know this for sure, but 
They might have gotten it from God because when he conquered, he put a cross in the ground. Jesus dies, they put him in a tomb. They put a huge boulder in front of it. Seal him in there good. So nobody can come and take his body away. They just forgot about God. Yeah, put guards outside. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you think about Jesus dying on the cross and knowing that God said he would resurrect him. But there was nothing else for Jesus to do. Once he died, it was all dependent on his father from that point forward. And you know, it's the same with us. Because all of us are going to die one day, once Jesus returns before we do. And once we die, it's, there's nothing else we can do. It all depends on God. You know, it's really easy, I think, sometimes we don't really think about that, that, but we put that much faith in God, that when we die, he's going to resurrect us and we'll be with him forever. Forever is a really long time. It's much longer than the 70, 80, 90 years that we have on this life. We put that much faith for all of eternity in God when we die, that he'll resurrect us and we'll be with him. But we struggle on a day-to-day basis. Why is that? Why is that? I'm doing what he said. Because see, in reality, when we receive Christ into our heart, we really become a dead man. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and through me. We no longer are, or really should, live for ourselves, but we live for him. We have chosen, we made the choice to become his servants, not he become our servant. He's not our servant. We are his servant. He gives the orders. So why is it that we could put all the faith in the world In all of eternity, at death, but we may struggle with it from day to day. Did I, I forgot, did I ask the question earlier, what are you willing to do to save a nation? I just, I can't remember if I asked that question or not. (laughs) Several times. What came out of the tomb, by the way? Jesus came out of the tomb. What else came with him? Anything that you can think of? (laughs) So in other words, everything we talked about that he nailed to the cross, did any of that come back out of the tomb with him? No. What came out is a resurrected life, a brand new body, newness of life. Right? That's all that came out. Everything else was put away with. So why are we still fighting all of that other stuff? I'm just asking questions this morning, full of questions. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 says, Now if Christ is preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. See, everything hinges on that resurrection. Everything. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. What a horrible condition. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. We have hoped in Christ in this life only. We are of all men most to be pitied. See, it all hinges on the resurrection. The price has been paid. Redemption is available for all who receive Christ by faith. What is faith? It's not my confession. It's not saying something over and over until I get myself to believe it. Faith is knowing what God said and then responding to what he said. It's putting confidence and trust in him. I want to share something out of Luke chapter 22. If you could turn there. Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 14, Jesus said something the night of the Passover that he had, the night that he was arrested, that last night before he went to the cross, that he had with his disciples. He said something fascinating. I've never really given it, maybe some of you have, I've never really given it a ton of thought before. I've just always thought it was fascinating. You ever do that? You read something in Scripture and you think, well, that's fascinating, but you never really study it. (laughs) I've done that more times than I can count. Luke 22, verse 14, says, When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So what's Passover? What is Passover? Deliverance from slavery. What was the first Passover? Come on, I know you've watched the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Yeah, the death angel was going through, killing all of the firstborn. Those who went into their house, they they prepared the lamb, prepared the meal. They They put the blood on the lintel in the shape, what, of a cross. Then they were safe. Death passed over. They were safe. Why were they safe? Because of the blood. They were safe. So then what is Passover? (laughs) It's not a trick question, I promise. Yes, it's a passing over of death. Death passed over the house, which also means what? All that were in the house were safe. They were safe. And then God told the, the Israelites to uh, celebrate this year after year, this Passover. So Jesus is having this Passover meal because Passover is being fulfilled as they're having the meal and the very next day, Jesus became the, the, the Passover lamb for all of us. It was, being, it was not only being fulfilled, it was being fulfilled at the same hour and even up to the same minute. When Jesus was being nailed to the cross, the the priests were slaughtering the lamb. I mean, it was just so, you know, exact that God had this all planned out. 
So here's what Jesus says. He says in verse 15, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, wait a minute. I thought it was, I thought Jesus fulfilled it. But Jesus is saying here at the meal, I'm not going to eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom. You ever looked at this before? You ever thought about it? He goes, I earnestly desired to eat this meal with you before I suffer. We know Jesus fulfilled the Passover. But notice that he talks about, I'm going to eat it again, but not until it's fulfilled in the kingdom. Is there another Passover? So what's he talking about? If there's not another Passover, what's he talking about? That he's going to eat it again, but not until the kingdom of God. What's Passover? What is Passover? You're saved from death. You're safe in having life because death is passed over. Jesus is eating this Passover meal. He fulfilled it the very next day to the very minute. But prior to that, at this meal, he says, and I'm just turning it around a little bit, I am going to eat this again, but not until it's fulfilled in the kingdom. Why would he do that if it's already fulfilled? Is there another Passover? A different kind of Passover? What's he talking about? I love it. Wheels are turning. Well, when the end of the age comes and Jesus returns, isn't that a type of Passover? That all those who have received Christ? Jesus said this often in especially the seven letters of Revelation. He who does what? overcomes till the end shall be saved. That salvation is what? A passing over of death into everlasting life. So even though Jesus is about to be arrested and brutally beat, whipped, and nailed to a wooden cross, He's looking beyond the cross. And oh, we got a scripture that says that, don't we? He's looking beyond the cross to the complete and total fulfillment in the kingdom. When all those who receive his atoning work on the cross, his fulfillment of Passover on earth, will receive a final Passover in the kingdom into everlasting life. Is that beautiful? I just can't even imagine facing what he's about to face within 
less than 24 hours. And he's already looking to the future and the hope of salvation of men that we will all be together. And that's when he says, I'm going to eat this again when we're all together. Oh, Lord. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Just, just beautiful. Well, let's, uh, let's get ready and take a little portion of a communion together. I like biblical communion where it's a whole meal myself, but, you know, right. that's one big loaf right there. That's a big loaf. I was going to pick it up and split it, but I think I won't. You want me to? Yeah, but that's, look at that. I'm going to make a mess. Hey, Dale, can you, can you come and help me too? Thank you, Brenda. Would you all stand, please? Yeah, exactly. Father, we thank you so much. Oh, Lord, our good daddy, the lover of our soul, that you nailed everything to that cross, all of our sickness, disease, everything that plagues our conscience, You've not left one thing out. We are so grateful, so thankful for Jesus, our brother, our elder brother, but our Lord, our master, our savior, the one who we adore, the one we worship, oh, the one who walks with us, the spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you so much for that, Lord. We recognize his broken body on the cross by this bread that we break in half, that his broken body on that cross. And in the cup that his blood was spilled, there's nothing like the blood of Christ that cleanses all our conscience completely clean. Father, I pray for every one of us in this room as we receive these communion elements this morning. That every sickness, every disease, every ailment of spirit, soul, or body, anything that plagues our conscience, all guilt, shame, blame, fear, infinitum, that figuratively it would be nailed to the cross. And God, we celebrate resurrection and newness of life. And because he was raised, we too will be raised. We thank you for that, Father. So we thank you for this bread and for this cup. If you would like to just step out of the aisle and come up and grab a piece, just tear off a piece of the bread, grab a cup. And then if you could return to your seat and then we'll all take it together.
Let's just thank him again together, huh? Lord, thank you. Those words just don't seem like enough, Father. We are truly grateful this morning. Thank you so much for new life. Oh, Lord, for paying the ultimate price to redeem us, to set us free, that we may freely live for you the rest of our days. Father, I pray that everything we do and everything we say would bring glory to your name from this moment forward. May the name of Jesus be worshipped, honored. May it be shouted from the housetops across our great United States of America once again. We thank you for the broken body and the blood that was spilled. You may take the bread and drink the cup. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you all. Y'all have a wonderful afternoon. Yes. I just, uh, I wish that I could have been here this morning. I've, uh, I felt like I asked God to give me a, a word of knowledge about someone in here who, who may have something going on with them. And I kept hearing um, kidney, kidney problems, kidney, kidney disease, um, diagnosis with that. And if there is anyone in here who wants prayer, uh, I would love to pray with you over that. Amen. So just throw it out there. That's awesome. You don't have to raise your hand, but... Thanks, Mike. No, that's awesome. Excellent. Perfect. Bless the Lord. Well, bless you guys. Huh? Rejoice today and every day. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs>